Coming to you from the HagmanReport.com studio. Located in the Keystone State, birthplace of a mighty nation, it's your host, Doug Hagman. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this. I'm sorry about that. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this Monday edition, April 25th, 2022. I'll get it together. That's right. Of the Hagman Report. How was your weekend? Eric the Tech, how was your weekend? Warm. It, it, it actually, it, uh, there were signs of spring and even a little bit of summer up here in the Northeast. Got to tell you, it actually reached something like, what, 78 maybe up here for the first time in, uh, Oh, I don't know since last August, but it was uh, it was warm yesterday, and uh, it's a little bit warmer or a little bit uh, cooler, but still warm today. So, there you have it. Uh, weather report, as if you really needed or care, right? A lot of things taking place right now. I want to talk first. I don't know how many people know about this. Um, this is something that caught my attention over the weekend, obviously uh, last week, and then over the weekend. Uh, in addition to what's going on in France and the elections there with Macron uh, uh, winning over Le Pen. But uh, this is something that, that's going to affect all of us, all of us here in the United States, Canada, all throughout the West, regardless of where you're living, this is going to be affecting all of us. And this is about the Chinese digital currency. Have you heard about this? It's known as the digital yuan digital renminbi or e hyphen c y n or e yon and I'm, i said that deliberately e yon yeah no the e yuan um currently de- being developed by the chinese regime through its central bank i'm uh i lost my audio eric the tech there we go okay i lost my audio there we are we are having some equipment issues, uh, which will be solved pretty soon. So no worries about that. Uh, uh, day or two or three, just hang with us. All right, what's that? Here, <laughs> well, Eric Tech said that I was being a little bit charitable when I said a few days. Um, no, it's you know what it, it, a lot of things go into the back end of this. Yes, we could just do it from a single office and. Uh, do it, but we have plans for the future as we get uh, canceled out, platform by platform. But but this the the e yuan. There's 20 different Chinese cities right now. They're rolling this out. The money was made available to uh, visiting foreigners through a mobile app for the first time during the Winter Olympics, the 2022 Beijing Olympics. And here's the essence of it. Uh, the, the fact that this isn't a sick, uh, simple digital payment app. This is an app that tracks where you are, what your name is, what your social security number is, if you're an American or if you're Canadian or, or regardless of what country, whatever your identifying number might be. And all of your, what all of your identifiers are. And, and this could also include and go to health information, it gives them geolocating capabilities. This, again, is a digital currency, full authoritarian, 
full, full tyrannical, I suppose. I, I won't even use any other word that, than tyrannical because that's really what fits. So that means that other countries, well, what, what, what's going on here is other countries, the bankers are, are using the Chinese e-digital current or the digital currency as the template for their current model of, of currency. So, and, and they're still refining this at the moment. I, I want to make that clear. But the, the Chinese Communist Party, what they will ultimately end up having the ability is if, for example, if you attended the Winter Olympics and, and you were a recipient as a foreign dignitary of this um, currency, this digital currency, this digital currency will give the Communist Chinese Party a, a method to track everything you're doing online and offline. Who you are, um, if you're online, what apps you're using. Now, now think about this. Let, let's say an ambassador to, oh, I don't know, a country went over to the Olympics, got this, installed this on their phone in order to you know buy a cup of coffee or whatever, buy, buy a meal, or because they had to for their job or whatever it might be. Imagine an American having that, and the, the Communist Chinese Party being able to say, wow, do you know that John Smith, well, he, he's got a Tinder account. And, and guess what? John Smith, he, he's also behind on his boat payments. What, what do you think that information would be used for, could be used for? Well, yeah, th- that's right. That's right. So, the possibility to corrupt others is there. The fact that this is already corruptible is there. This is a real national security problem. And this is the way they can export digital tyranny, plain and simple. And, you know, right now, China's global rollout of this has a very specific agenda, which is to reduce its dependence on the U.S. dollar. Because the fight is economic in part, at least the globalist fight is, if you can destroy a nation's currency, borders, culture, you know, you can destroy the country. Our currency has already been debased, much like the Roman Empire. And If you study the Roman Empire about the debasement of their currency, you can see how that went. But right now, this global rollout has a very, very specific purpose. And that is to replace or, or at least reduce the dependence on the U.S. dollar. This is a war against the U.S. dollar. About 87% of global transactions that China settles are settled in dollars. They're desperately short energy. They're short food as we see them over there killing their pets to eat, being locked in like animals in pens due to ostensibly the coronavirus, the outbreak of the coronavirus. Um, They're desperately short on just general materials in general, things in general, things that we take uh, for granted. 
and uh, they don't trust their currency. So do you think they'll have a problem going to a, a digital currency like this? No. Even for the the sacrifices and securities uh, and security that this would uh, um, be responsible for? Of course not. You know, more than 80 countries right now in the world, including the United States, are exploring some form, some level of digital currency. And uh, actually, that's right off the Atlantic Council's website. Nigeria is among nine countries that have already launched digital forms of their currencies. Think about that. And, and where's Nigeria? And who's active in that area? If Nigeria can do this, right, do you think that the U.S. is that far behind? No, I don't think so. In March, the White House issued this outline. And I trace this back to March, but it goes back earlier than that. Um, at least in March, there was an outline of uh, Biden's executive order on digital assets. I don't know how many people saw that. Biden, through this executive order, was placing this urgency on research and development of a U.S. digital currency. And he said that uh, issuing one was deemed in the national interest. Okay. Now, in May of last year, because this was talked about since Biden strolled into the, uh, um, I was going to say Oval Office, but the White House stage there. Going back into May of last year, you had several congressmen, including uh, French Hill from Arkansas, Jim Himes from Connecticut, introduced the 21st Century Dollar Act, H.R. 3506, which would require U.S. Treasury Department to include a re- report for Congress. Any risk to the U.S. dollar posed by the digital yuan? Well, in March, Blackburn from Tennessee and eight other Republican uh, colleagues also introduced Just Say No to the Silk Road Act, which is Senate Bill 3784. Now, if... What does one have to do with the other? Well, if that is enacted, the legislation would require the U.S. Commerce Department and the U.S. Trade Representative's Office to file reports on the uh, CCP's digital currency on the EU1. So the U.S. State Department would be required to put a notice on its website warning U.S. citizens traveling to China about the dangers of the digital yuan. Now, that's according to the text of the bill, and and there's some overlap there between the the two houses. But it's interesting how the U.S. government is approaching this. Um, There are some senators that you'll see in the coming weeks that are going to launch legislation to outlaw outlaw its use, the the use of EU on as well here in the States, as well as more blanketed any digital currency. But that may not happen. 
that may not be passed. It must be banned right away immediately. Now, this is happening right now as Italy is rolling out a social credit score. Again, this is tied to your online, offline activities as Google controls certain language. I don't know whether you saw this or not, but uh, it's, it's really kind of a twisted story. But you can try this right now or after the show or during the show or whatever. Go ahead and try to type in, oh, certain words. Um, I'm just trying to, uh, uh, from the news story, I'll tell you what. There's a news story in American Greatness. Google launches inclusive, new inclusive language function. Again, these are all related because they have this giant surveillance apparatus. And, and, And let me just say this. If there is a digital currency in the United States or, or, or world digital currency, it's going to, they're, they're, they're going to have complete control over what you do, what you say or what you can't say, where you live, where you go, what you drive. If you can drive, they'll have complete control over everything. But try this. Um, in the search engine Google, which Google, I must remind people, it's not a verb. Don't use it as a verb. But in the story in American Greatness, and this was published today by Eric Lindrum, if you type in the word landlord, for example, Google will yield suggestions such as proprietor, property owner, while mankind, for example, will lead to suggestion of humankind. Policeman is now recommended to be police officers. Housewife is to be replaced with a stay-at-home spouse. Now, <laughs> okay, again, all of this is Orwellian in, in, in nature. And I think, I think people fully understand what's taking place here. Meanwhile, as this gains momentum, the other side of the coin, our side of the coin is the fact that we are gaining some momentum to crush the left goals. As a matter of fact, uh, there was a story that came out, and, and this is not a bad thing. There is a movement that is growing right now. It began with Ronald Reagan, his goal to end the Department of Education. It's finally starting to gain momentum. People are seeing through Social media influencers like uh, libs of TikTok, people are starting to see the fact that, uh, um, hey, you know what? The education system is out of control here in the United States. The Department of Education, not constitutional to begin with, is out of control. The debate over the federal role in education has been going on for decades And there are many who believe that the feds should have a large-scale role in education, while others say, no, 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 it should be real small. Most people believe that there should be at least some federal oversight, some none at all. Now, Representative Thomas Massey is one who believes that there should be no federal involvement in education, and I think, constitutionally speaking, he's right. And he's actively working to make that a reality. Now, last year, in February of last year, of 2021, 
Massey introduced H.R. 899, a bill that encapsulates perfectly this, according to American Greatness, his views on this issue. It's one sentence long. This bill terminates the Department of Education on December 31st, 2022. Now, people might say, oh, yeah, that's a pipe dream. I got to tell you, although it seems radical, Massey is not alone. The bill had eight co-sponsors when it was introduced, and it's been gaining support ever since. Mo Brooks from Alaska decided to co-sponsor the bill bringing now the total number of co-sponsors to 18. So we're making a difference. We're driving the the narrative of the left, in a sense, back into the corners. And this is why they're absolutely terrified of, what's, of us and what's going on. Because the, the more we talk about things like this, the more we push back, the smaller that corner that the left has painted themselves, the globals have painted themselves, the tyrants the smaller that is. And, uh, you know, this along with, and I know that people don't really care too much about this, but just because we don't care about it doesn't mean necessarily that, that um, or it doesn't mean that it's meaningless. Elon Musk, the board at Twitter, about to take, Elon Musk is about to take over Twitter. I sent that out in a Galileo tweet yesterday. I've got to tell you, the left's head is, the, 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 well, the people on the left, their heads are exploding. Oh my gosh, it's the worst thing ever. Why is that? I, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to believe um, how the left can change, really, from this anti-establishment position, what was it back in the '60s and '70s, and as, as you know, throughout the, actually, right through, uh, you can argue right through uh, President Trump's tenure, into this tyrannical uh, cheerleader for cheerleader for tyranny. It's just amazing what we're seeing here. So the heads are exploding, really incredibly far and wide and it's it's something to see what will you know is elon musk a good guy man i'll tell you what i don't know do you folks do you know have any ideas on this i don't know will will we see this massive resurgence of banned accounts of conservatives back on twitter i don't know will it make any difference i don't know but the fact that the left is afraid of this, well, that's it, okay by me. I also want to bring up this. You know, the um, January 6th, the news about January 6th, as you've heard, I'm sure you've heard about this, but the FBI has admitted having some 20 embedded assets at the Capitol on January 6th. This according to a court filing. And this is important because, well, it's actually a combination between 20 FBI and uh, ATFE agents. Assets were embedded among the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Slowly, what happened on January 6th is becoming clearer and clearer, even to those not wanting to address this. And this came out, this admission 
so to speak, or this acknowledgement of having 20 assets. And by assets, it doesn't mean necessarily agents or officers. It could very well be informants or uh, people who are acting on behalf of the agencies. But this came out in a series of court filings back on uh, April 12th. And I want people to really understand how, how important this is. This came out in a motion seeking to dismiss seditious conspiracy and um, obstruction charges against 10 Oath Keepers. They're defendants in one of the uh, more prominent J6 criminal cases. The attorney for um, some of the defendants, at least, filed a 41-page motion to dismiss four counts on behalf of the Oath Keepers. Uh, and, and this took place in Washington, of course, the U.S. District Court uh, in, uh, in Washington. But uh, at least 20, in the motion, and I looked at this motion, I'm reading through it, and what really stuck out was at least 20 FBI and ATF agents' assets, I'm sorry, embedded around the Capitol on J6. Now, that appeared in a footnote on page 6 of the motion. Again, I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, okay, first of all, why a footnote? Why shouldn't this be? Of course, that's a motion. It's not a, it's not a uh, uh, news story. But the fact of the matter is, it is now becoming quite apparent that, that this was, again, as, as if we need confirmation of this. But the longer this goes on, the more the J6 committee, Liz Cheney up there, right? Or Lynn Cheney. Um, I mean, my goodness, and, and all the people on this January 6th committee, it's, it's all, it's all, I mean, it's, it's BS. This, this is a, a socialist takeover. It's part of this American Marxist uh, uh, attempt to take over everything, but it's, it's also part of the larger globalist uh, agenda here. We, they need to take out the patriots here in the United States. I'm also getting one last thing before I bring uh, John Moore on. I'm also getting information. There, there's something going on here, and I really can't expand on this or identify exactly where this might come from. But this big push right now to launch a, a massive attack against our Second Amendment. And I'm hearing this in, in, I'll just say metaphorically speaking, in the, in the hallways of, of Washington, a big push to, to take away our, our rights to bear arms, a Second Amendment. Now, if you want to start a civil war, I think that's probably the, the way to do it. And in talking with other people in this venue, in this uh, type of, uh, well, other, other broadcasters and such, they're hearing the same thing. That something is something is going to take place, or or they're just going to come out and slowly contract the ability for Americans to own guns, and then that's going to go into this confiscation of weapons. So I'm just saying that there's something out there. I look, I don't know any specifics. I'm tossing this out there. If you folks have any ideas. Go ahead and put it in the comments in the Rumble in the, in the section on on, uh, on Rumble or on Rumble Brideon, and of course uh, on throughout uh, various oodles of audio platforms. 
But uh, keep your eyes out for this as well. And uh, one last thing, and, and all of this is for open discussion, whatever John wants to talk about, but one last thing here. Have you noticed, and I made this, specifically made this a point this weekend, to take a look at different supermarkets in my area. And uh, the only place I didn't go to was Walmart, but I looked at the, the, the chains, the supermarket chains, and I, I am seeing shortages of different products, but not necessarily in the way I thought it would play out. I'm seeing higher prices, less selection, like Steve Quayle had said, and... Uh, Less of the product, okay? I, I, is that a shortage? Yeah, I guess it would be a shortage. Uh, downsizing um, shelving areas, shelving space for different products. Instead of having, what, four, five, six types of flour, you might only have two now. And, and I've seen that with, with the fresh produce. I've seen empty uh, bins of produce or organic bananas. No, nope, not there. That's one example. And of course, you know, organic grass-fed beef? Mm, no. But it, well, yeah, it's there. It's very small quantities, and if you want it, it's it's unaffordable. Certainly for me, I don't know about you, but I can't pay $21 a pound for uh, you know, a flank steak or or some subpar cut. Um so I, I just keep your eyes on that. And that's why we have to prepare too. Or what is coming. I think this is only going to get worse. So there it is. From the threat of the Chinese digital currency to the global digital currency to the Western or American digital currency and Biden's push for that to shortages and everything in between. The thing we didn't talk about, of course, is Ukraine and Russia. And uh, if, you didn't, uh, if you didn't catch the news, the Major one of the major pipelines did was attacked. Apparently, there, there was an explosion, and one of the pipelines, oil pipelines that, that supplies oil to the, much of the European Union, including Germany, yesterday. And this happened in Russia, inside of Russia, and one has to ask what that's all about. All right, with me. Oh, you know, before I get to John, I just want to thank all of you. Because, uh, you know what, I really appreciate everyone who supports this broadcast and keeping us on the air. And you know what, we're an employer, right? And I want to thank our corporate sponsors too, because we're, we're an employer. And I, I'm an employer, and we, we have we have people that do specific work here, and I appreciate the people. Eric, the tech is one. And, uh, hey, according to the latest research, 90% of employers, they plan on enhancing the employee experience. Uh making that enhancement, enhancing the employee experience, they're planning on making that a priority in 2022. After all, at least Eric the Tech tells me this, a happy workplace is a key to attracting and keeping great employees. And that's true. You know what? They feel more valued when they're asked for their input and such. And if you need to add more employees to your team, there's ZipRecruiter. The matching technologies of ZipRecruiter helps you find the right people for your roles fast. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Hagman. And I'm telling, I'm talking to employers right now. If you're looking for that special person, ZipRecruiter uses its powerful technology to find a match for the right matches, the right candidates up for the job that you have open. 
then it proactively presents these candidates to you. You can easily review the recommended candidates and invite the top choices to apply. And that encourages them to apply faster. It's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the number one hiring hired yeah, rated hiring site in the U.S. based on G2 ratings. I'll get this. ZipRecruiter's technology is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. I've got to say this. This is what you need to do. If you're an employer looking for that special person, that right person for that job opening you've got, you find the right employees for your workplace with ZipRecruiter, try for free. Right now at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash Hagman. There's two N's on Hagman. It's H-A-G-M-A-N-N, ziprecruiter.com slash Hagman. Appreciate them. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. And this by far shows that to be true. And I'm going to thank them for supporting this broadcast and uh, thank them for what they do. They do a heck of a good job at bringing the right person to you. That's ziprecruiter.com slash Hagman. All right, John Moore, thelibertyman.com. You know what? John, again, has a radio show. In case you haven't seen this or listened to this radio show, every weekday, it's Monday through Friday. If you go to thelibertyman.com, you can listen online. And he's got amazing guests every week, and he's got uh, uh, amazing information every week. To me, it's required listening for show prep. That is thelibertyman.com, three hours a day. And then on Mondays, he comes with me, and we talk about uh, things of the world. And uh, by the way, while you're on thelibertyman.com, check out the news stories, check out the products, check out the affiliate associations with uh, Liberty Men, and I'll tell you what, uh, support John any way you can. John, how are you, sir? If I felt any better, it wouldn't be legal. How about yourself, Doug? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm having a little little trouble uh, with my words today. Tomorrow, maybe work on my numbers and colors, but uh, today I've got, now I've got a uh, I've got, I feel like somebody punched me in the mouth here. I've got the, uh, the, the jaw issue roaring back up again. So I've got to get that taken care of, but otherwise not bad. You know what? It's, uh, actually showing a little bit of signs of summer out here. I know where you're at. What is it like 90 where you're at right now? And oh, no, 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 sunny? That, that's no, it is sunny. It's clear. Uh, it's, uh, mid to high sixties right now. It's going to be a beautiful day. It already is. It already is. Oh, so, that's good. All right. Yeah, over uh, here, it's uh, you know, it doesn't get warm until until August, and then by the end of August, it's kind of looking like it's going to snow. Roger that. Yeah. Well, there's an interesting article here uh, written by J.D. Hayes, published at Natural News, Mike Adams' website. Uh, here's the headline. Pfizer tried to hide data showing its COVID vaccination caused massive increase in, in miscarriages, stillborn babies. Um this is part of the documentation a federal judge ordered Pfizer to release instead of keeping it for 50 years. And um, all this information was known by the end of the first 90 days. That would have been, been January, February, March. By the end of March, this information was known. Um, most of the first people to get the COVID clot shot were uh, healthcare professionals. So let's keep that in mind for a moment. Um, at the end of that, at, at three months, uh, they had uh, what, what they call uh, 238 uh, pregnancies, uh, that unique pregnancies, or, excuse me, 270 unique pregnancies. Get the number right, John. 270 unique pregnancies. They, uh, Pfizer learned the outcome of only uh, 23 of those 
30, excuse me, 32, get the numbers right again, 32 known outcomes. The other 238, they don't know the outcome. So we've got 270 women pregnant, 238, they don't know the outcome of the pregnancy, leaving 32 with a known outcome. Out of that, we had 28 dead babies out of 32 possible. 28 dead babies out of 32 babies that were uh, followed by Pfizer uh, after the clot shot was given to the pregnant mothers. That's that's astounding. It's astounding. It's scary. It's absolutely criminal that this data has been kept from the American people. My own niece, uh, she uh, is recently pregnant. I think she still is. I know she got one of the clot shots. I don't know which one. Um, but there's tens of thousands of young women all over the country who have got the clot shot, the COVID vaccination, thinking that it was safe, thinking that the FDA, FDA approved it, which, of course, they did not, thinking their baby would be safe and healthy. And um, I don't know what's, what's happening to these babies nationwide, but what we're seeing here is very scary, isn't it, Doug? You know, isn't it interesting that these numbers are coming out now when Pfizer just recalled a very popular blood pressure tablet due to increasing or increased cancer risk. The Acupril, I don't know how many people take that. Acupril is one, I think it's that's the brand name, but it's a hypertension treating drug after it was found to have an increased presence of an impurity that could cause cancer. And five lots of Acupril have been recalled due to a presence of uh, nitrosamine, I believe it is. Above the acceptable daily intake level, so you know what? Um, I, I think the I, I think the blinders are coming off some people. I, I don't know. And again, you know, a recall of a medication. What, what is that? But what you're talking about, man, th- this has everlasting implications. And, well, wow. it's devastating. When, when a woman's uh, Baby, she's pregnant with dies. It's devastating to the woman, and and there's some unknowns here. This is what I just stated is what we know. What we don't know is what happens if the woman attempts to get pregnant a second time. Will the outcome be the same? Will she have a, a, a spontaneous abortion? Will the baby be be born dead? Will the baby be born, be born with uh, all kinds of uh, misformed uh, body parts? Uh, three arms instead of two arms. Um, we, we don't know what's going to be happening to these women that have taken the clot shot because it's too soon uh, to find out, uh, you know, with the gestation period being nine months for a, a normal human baby. We simply don't know. Um, but withholding information is can have devastating effects. Uh, quick segue here. Um I recall sitting, we have movie night here in Davisville every Saturday night, and, and um, about a week after George Floyd died because he committed suicide with drugs, uh, I didn't know at the time, but I'm sitting there t- talking to my pastor of my church, and I said, finally, the communists, the uh, black activists have a real issue with George Floyd, because I didn't know what we all know now, and once again, withholding evidence. Uh, it was months before the second video was released, George Floyd handcuffed sitting in the back of a patrol car saying very clearly, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. That, was, that evidence was withheld until the cities burned. 
until tens of millions of property was destroyed, until lives were lost. And of course, I believe those police officers, if that video had been released earlier, it would have been a whole different outcome for the the uh, careers and the lives of these three police officers who, out of goodwill and concern for George Floyd, they must have thought, oh, Mr. Floyd must be claustrophobic. So at his request, we'll take him out of the patrol car and put him on the ground and use the department-approved restraint method, which causes no harm, by the way, of a knee on the neck, because George Floyd must be claustrophobic. Well, George Floyd was exhibiting the classic signs of a fentanyl overdose. He was, he had, he basically committed suicide by taking too much fentanyl. And he was in the process of dying right there in the seat of that police cruiser. If the police had done nothing, Doug, except leave him handcuffed in the back of that cruiser, he would have died sitting right there. Yeah. I mean, he was headed for death anyway, based on his toxicology, the, the yeah, the right. Fox report. Yeah, he, he had enough fentanyl and other drugs to kill more than two full-grown, healthy adult males. Right, more than enough. But, but, uh, but here's the thing, John. I don't think you're ever going to convince anybody, and, and I mean, even a lot of people who are listening to this broadcast, who are friends of the program, they're they're so hung up on the fact that. Um, there's police brutality, which I believe there is unnecessary brutality in many but cases. Not that, not, not, not that, but not that one. That's exactly, exactly. I think I stole my website. There was a a a, a police uh, martial arts instructor in the Czech Republic who did a demonstration. Yep. Uh, a guy of normal height and weight, probably about five eleven, five ten, probably about one hundred seventy five pounds. He lays down on a hard pavement, concrete or asphalt. And one of his instructor buddies, who was a, a you know about 185, 200 pounds, puts the full puts his full body weight on the knee, on the neck, and lifts up. He, he's not holding anything with either arm, and he lifts up the other other leg to demonstrate his full body weight on the on the neck of the martial arts instructor in basically the same position as George Floyd. And the martial arts instructor is just talking in a normal voice, as if there's no big deal. Uh, that particular move uh, was not something that would cause death. It didn't even cause any kind of discomfort uh, or pain to the martial arts instructor. Uh, so, and, and I, I agree with you, Doug. I, I've I've had these arguments with people. They, they they simply have blinders on. They don't want to hear or admit to the truth that George Floyd basically committed suicide with a drug overdose. It just, and and they, they just don't, the, the video evidence is crystal clear that what was going on, uh, that he was sitting in the back of the police cruiser, handcuffed, saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Yeah. Um, which is a similar thing that uh, uh, my wife was claustrophobic, uh, the, the kind of thing that somebody who's claustrophobic would say. But getting back to Pfizer, um, these people are criminal. What they're doing is they're putting their profit motive, the desire to have a condominium uh, on the south coast of uh, the, on the French Riviera, uh, above the health and well-being of the of the American public. That's what comes first. 
the condo on the French Riviera instead of the health and welfare of Americans. Um, well, I and, mean, you know, but Pfizer, okay, Pfizer happens to be, to me, a, a tool of the globalists, as is Moderna. I mean, we've never had a successful coronavirus vaccine. We've never had a successful mRNA vaccine ever. And, and I mean vaccine, not what they're calling this, whatever this uh, mutagenic jab is. So, but for them, uh, for them to be tools, isn't that like blame? I mean, where does the actual blame lie here exist with respect to what's going on? Wouldn't you say it's not really Pfizer, Moderna, uh, J and J and such. It's, it's the people who created really well, a whole, whole chain of command of people right. who had the ability to say something and did not, uh, at different levels. Uh, the, you know, the, the man or woman down in the shipping department and Pfizer packaging up these vaccines had, even if they knew something, they had no ability to do anything about it. But once you get to mid-level management, there's hundreds of men and women who had both the knowledge and the ability to say something and did, and did nothing. Um, a related topic, I found out over the weekend, the county next door to me, St. Francis County, Missouri, just east of Crawford County, it had, back in 2020, the highest percentage of COVID in the United States, I just found out. And something else I found out, the, the public water supply comes from an underground lake, which was a mine, which is now open to the public for tours uh, to, to the public, as well as uh, scuba diving, which means the, the public had easy access to the water supply for St. Francis County, Missouri, which had the second highest rate of COVID in the United States. Um, so that water supply easily could have been contaminated by someone posing to be a tourist, posing to be a scuba diver, releasing the COVID poison into the public water supply uh, that, that fed uh, the, uh, the people of St. Francis County, Missouri. I don't know what can be done in terms of an investigation because I'm sure it's all been dispersed a long time ago. But uh, I find it fascinating that, that uh, this little county South of St. Louis, about 50, 60 miles, had the highest rate of COVID, second highest rate of COVID in the United States, as well as a easily accessible uh, raw water uh, supply before it went to the treatment plant uh, in, in uh, St. Francis County. Uh, I think it's something that needs to be looked into a bit deeper, don't you, Doug? You know, I do. And that, that reminds me, okay, our infrastructure is is open for sabotage from within and from without. But um, it reminds me back in 05, 06, I did an investigation, a field investigation surveillance of uh, the Muslims of the Americas, Jamaat al-Fukur group here in the United States, uh, Sheikh Mubarak Ali Jalani, who still has a, um, a, a fatwa against me published. But, but having said that, they always had their encampments around critical infrastructure locations. And in the Catskills, it was the water supply for New York City. So it doesn't surprise me. It, it angers me that here we are 15, 17 years out from that. Um, we're, we're still talking about the this kind of thing, whether it's from a, uh, a government-sponsored terrorist attack, and there are such things, or, or from a hostile terror attack against our infrastructure. So you know what? It doesn't surprise me. But but I, I guess, you know, you mentioned something, though, about the water and about COVID. 
You know, I, I watched the Dr. Brian Artis. I think you mentioned this too, right? Did you mention this last week? Artis, we talked about Artis previously, yes, sir. All right. All right. His, you know, his idea, his talking about um, uh, SARS-CoV-2, the experiments with snake venom, and then the distribution by way of water supply. Uh, he kind of lost me at the water supply part, but it, it regardless, it still is. It's still a thing there with me it, when you look at the uh, potential for, as you pointed out, for sabotaging our, our water supply in that county, in that one county. Look, look at look at that. I mean, my goodness. Well, I got well, a follow-up on the snake venom. A young man who just worked on my town car last week. He's John, I, I had uh, COVID uh, a, a few months ago, and I had flu-like symptoms, lost my sense of taste, lost my sense of smell. He says, John, two years ago, I got bit, bit by a copperhead. I had flu-like symptoms, lost my sense of taste, lost my sense of smell. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I said, uh, I said to him, do you think we may be on something here? And, and his eyes got real bright and says, yeah, John, I, I think we are. And <laughs> uh, so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, there's, there's a th- six-digit cash reward for the first scientist who can demonstrate they've isolated COVID-19 as a virus. That cash prize remains unclaimed. Now, I'm no scientist. I'm a homicide detective, radio talk show host. When it came to science in high school, I was on the football field. Thank you very much. You know, but, <laughs> but you know, I was. Yeah, you know, yeah. no, no, too. I, I don't claim to be a. I have no scientific credentials. Right. But um, among the men and women who do have scientific credentials, the doctors and the scientists, there's been this ongoing battle now for about two years. Is there or is there not a SARS COVID-19 virus? Uh, so qualified professionals in that expertise have said there's not. Qualified professionals in that expertise say there is. What's missing is a verifiable, isolated virus. That appears to be missing still. It appears to be. Now, if there is no if there is no virus, and there is a a synthesized poison which includes synthetic snake venom. That may, that may be the answer that we're looking for as to what in the hell is making all these people sick. Something is. We know that. Well, okay, so if not the what is described as the SARS-CoV-2 virus itself, then most assuredly it could be delivered by way of the, as you call it, the clot shot or the uh, mutagenic jab, right? I, I mean, Well, precisely. It turns out. And this was news to me also, but they, uh, the scientists have been using uh, snake venom and other venoms for decades uh, to uh, synthesize these various snake venoms to accomplish certain goals. Uh, they, they call them peptides. That's what's in these exactly. snake venoms. Yeah. To figure out what the peptides are so they can make a synthetic form of them and incorporate the peptides into various pharmaceutical products to accomplish certain goals. That's nothing new. It's not a secret. It's not a secret at all. Uh, so why not the, the technology to make synthetic peptides which is what's in the snake venoms that technology has been around for a long time now I had a caller in fact one of the, uh, the uh, hosts on Republic Broadcasting said well, well snake venom will disperse quickly in the water supply well natural snake venom will of course it will but a synthetic version could be modified to last for uh, oh, 24 hours. How long does it need to last to 
contaminate the water supply of a city. 24 hours would be more than long enough to get it into the bellies of uh, most citizens of any given city uh, through drinking water, coffee, tea, bathing, uh, lots of ways to get it. Once it's in the water supply, people are going to get it in their bodies one way or the other, won't they, Doug? Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, what bothers me the most about all of this, you, don't, you really don't hear anyone talking about, okay, what really precisely, where did this originate? With who? Okay, we hear um, bits and pieces about the Wuhan lab and about the bat lady, Xi Zheng Li and such, and we hear about Peter Daszak and and of course, Fauci, his experimentation, we hear all about this. But do we have an investigation? As you and I are familiar with investigations, do we have one to really isolate, okay, um, where did this come from? Was it a result of, first of all, an accident? Did somebody get, uh, you know, drop a bottle of whatever, uh, you know, in the lab and, and then infect others? Or was it an intentional release? What were they working on precisely? Well, well, well yeah, I the mean, story came out. The story came out fairly early. That original development was done in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Right. Uh, which I took it. It's illegal to do a biological weapon in this country. Once it gets to a certain point, it becomes a crime. So they took that development as far as they could before it became a crime. Then transferred the. Uh, the process to the Wuhan lab where they could do it with the uh, complete uh, legal, you know, being legal in, in China because the Chinese government, of course, was complicit. Right. There's two parts to what you were just saying, uh, Doug. One is the uh, creation of the uh, poison itself. The other is the poison being released. Both were done with intent. The complexity of whatever's in this Wuhan stuff is there's a lot there's a lot in there um, and, and, you including know, the including the AIDS virus apparently is oh, in, oh, in yeah. it also the the AIDS virus the infrastructure for that is included in that uh what has been able to be isolated of SARS-CoV-2 so and, and I've read and reread RFK Jr's book about Fauci so you know folks I, I'm very well aware I'm very up on things but but my again my questions come down to why is there a lack of curiosity by the by anyone in the media as to where okay really where did this come from who is ultimately behind it and has have those questions really been answered to our satisfaction i don't think they have it's just like it's just like the 2016 election who made that phone call to stop the counting at whatever time who made that call for multiple states to stop the counting at the same time has there been any investigation, any curiosity into that question? No. What about the, um, the role of the FBI or other agencies into the shooting in Vegas back in uh, uh, a couple of years ago uh, with uh, Stephen Paddock, right? Uh, that, that, that's off the radar. How about the explosion in Nashville uh, in 2020, 2019, I believe it was? Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It was Christmas uh, or uh, Christmas Day, 2019, I believe. The explosion in Nashville. People kind of they, they turn their heads and they say, oh, "I didn't hear about that." Or, "Oh, yeah, that's right." Where is the follow-up to these issues? And, and I think they're they're big issues. And if the, the, the quicker they're dropped, by the way, in my view, John, and you can have this right now, but they're qu- the quicker they're dropped, or the, the 
the least interest that they, uh, the, you know, push uh, or, or have, uh, I believe, are the more important they are. I think there's a correlation there between importance and, and uh, the media going after these questions, answers to these questions. Go right, ahead, right. Well, there may or may not be investigations going on for, for the, all the matters that you've mentioned. We wouldn't necessarily know about that. Um, so we simply don't know. Uh, but the quicker the, the mass media can make something go away, the, the better they like it. That's been my observation. You know, obfuscation, uh, leaving things out, uh, reporting part of the truth, not the whole truth. Um, and it's interesting to be a firsthand observer. During the, the Ferguson riots, uh, I was getting reports from uh, five different men on the ground, including our, uh, our mutual friend Sam Andrews. And one of the things that came out of the Ferguson riots was the uh, rioters would be standing around in the street talking about the weather, the latest uh, professional sports uh, event. And then when the, this is at night, and then when the, uh, the TV crews turned on their lights, that's when they started rioting. Not before and not after. When the lights went out, they went back to talking about uh, the weather again. Uh, so <laughs> to a large extent, the Ferguson riots were media-driven. If the and local law enforcement could have declared uh, that activity of, the, of those journalists, they could have declared that uh, a, a nuisance and ordered them to leave the area. That would have been the end of the riots. If the TV crews and their bright lights had been ordered to leave the area, the riots would have been over that night. No more riots. But that wasn't done, Doug, because they, the, uh, the police in charge wanted the riots to continue. The um, governor of Missouri was there in Ferguson every night getting direct instructions from President Obama's office on how to conduct the, uh, the situation to make it as bad as possible. Um, so having boots on the ground reporting what's really going on makes a huge difference, doesn't it? In, you know, and the controlling of the choke points, as you as you just mentioned, okay? So you've got the control over the story by the media presence. So uh, not by the media presence, but by, by the pr- media who were present there. So having said that, to, to kind of advance it to the topics of today, I, this this is kind of why I think the uh, Twitter buyout by Elon Musk that seems to be in progress and perhaps will happen today. The you know control, effective control over Twitter. This is why I think the left is their heads are exploding because the lies are about to be exposed. Because once you take the wrapper off of Twitter, uh, and it's just not Twitter either. That's scrambling. It's Google. It's Facebook. It's uh, Apple. Once you take the wrapper off the lies, I, I think there are a lot of people at, at that level, uh, the people handling these choke points are, are wondering how they're going to proceed and cover up, continuing covering up the truth. That's kind of what, what I see happening today. Well, of course, they're desperate, especially given the, 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 where we are. This is the last week of April. We have midterm elections coming up in, in just a few short months. They know unless unless they stage a major operation, a major new uh, outbreak of some disease, uh, of something of a major situation. They know they're going to lose the midterm and midterm elections, lose control of uh, both houses of Congress. And uh, at that point, the Biden administration is dead in the water. 
he can only do so much by uh, executive order. And of course, the the, the money the money spending power comes out of uh, the House of Representatives. So Biden can do whatever he wants, but unless there's money authorized by Congress, not much is going to happen. And, and everybody in D.C. knows this. That's what's coming. Uh, so, of course, they're scared to death because their grand plan to have uh, U.S. become a socialist paradise is about to fall apart around their ears, as well it should. As well it should. Do, do you think they're uh, on the run? I, I mean, the globalists here, in at least in America— in the United States, are the globalists on the run? Are, are they scrambling right now, uh, such as Google and Twitter and all that? Are they scrambling? Or do you think that they're going, preparing to double down or maybe both? Uh, they have no choice but to double down, uh, but they're gonna, it's not going to stop them from losing, Doug. Um, desperate men do desperate things. How desperate will they be? They'll be extremely desperate. Um, I, I don't, you know, President Trump through a, a, a a big monkey wrench in the middle of the works. President Trump was not supposed to be President 45. Hillary was. And uh, when Trump uh, spent his four years in office, he slowed down everything and stopped many things. There's plenty to criticize about President Trump, and, and, uh, and I would certainly criticize him about his response to the vaccines. But uh, on one hand, the federal judge appointments that he made will change this country in very positive ways, for decades into the future because there, many of them were so young and will be there for decades. So that's a good thing President Trump did. Um, yeah, but he, how's that working out for us with uh, Amy Comey Barrett and uh, Coney Barrett and uh, uh, Kavanaugh? And, you know, I, I'm looking at... That. Well, he can't... The president can't appoint Supreme Court justices. Well, uh, I, mean, I mean, on his own. He can make... Right. The, he can nominate them, but it's up to the U.S. Senate. Well, um, and, and the, but there's hundreds, there's hundreds of federal judgeships that, that the, have been filled by President Trump. That's true, and, and one of, the, of course, President Trump's uh, appointments is the judge responsible for removing the mask mandates from public that's right. transport. So that's right. Yes, that, that's correct. Which, by the way, the Department of Justice has been weaponized to go after that uh, that whole process, the whole ruling. Which, you know, why should they care? It, it, exactly. Thank you. What's, why is that an issue for the Department of Justice in the first place? I, I don't know. I, I mean, of course I know, but the, I, I, because they're they're using you know if 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 anybody would would attempt to appeal, it would be the uh, FDA or the CDC. I would think the CDC would attempt to appeal it, not the Department of Justice. Well, okay, so it's a net, the, the, the yes, the CDC is actually the institute or the organization. That is the front man to fight back, but it's fueled by and bolstered by the Department of Justice, which has given them the ability. See, Fauci came out, I don't know whether you heard this or not, uh, recently and said the CDC should be above any kind of judicial activist or judicial authority. Yeah, you can't make this stuff up. And, and, and you know what blows my mind again, or, or again, the, the very people who fought this. Uh, what is it, authoritarianism? I guess you could say that. I, I want to say tyranny, but um, the very people who used to be fighting that are now signing on behalf of, uh, like, the anti-Elon Musk Twitter stuff, the anti, um, anti-mask anti stuff. It's amazing to see how the brainwashing has worked that we've talked about for so long, and here it is. That's right. It's, it works. It's effective. Yeah. Uh, 
just please recall, Doug and all you, know, you listeners, uh, I spent a year of my life, uh, actually a bit more than that, in psychological warfare in the U.S. Army, both active duty in Vietnam and in the Army Reserve. So I, I know more about these things than most people since, since I was part of it. And uh, these techniques are simple, and the techniques work. Uh, what we did in psychological warfare is basically the same as what uh, Fifth Avenue does with advertising in terms of influencing what people think what people believe, what people do. Propaganda is not necessarily bad. An, adver- an advertisement encouraging you to brush your teeth after every meal is meets the basic definition of propaganda. There's nothing wrong with it, nothing unethical or immoral, but it's still propaganda, encouraging you to brush your teeth after every meal. Uh, so, but propaganda works. Now I'll do a, I'll do the start of a jingle and you well, finish well, it for wait me. Wait a second, it's an agenda-driven message. It is. So okay, but it yes. works. Now yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something you probably haven't heard for four plus decades. You fin- y'all start the jingle, you finish it. See the USA in your Chevrolet. Now, when was the last time you heard that, Doug? <laughs> I don't know. Forty years ago, fifty years ago, uh, and it's, it's part of your brain. Yeah, yeah. That, no, it's uh, it's kind of like w- the uh, Seinfeld Costanza effect. Yeah, I get that. It, yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it was after World War II that advertising brought in psychological professionals for the first time. Prior to World War II, you would start out. In the mail, we've been working way up to become an advertising executive. Um, when they brought in psychological professionals into advertising at the end of World War II, everything changed in advertising. My wife kept a, it was a full-page ad. It was in one of the weekly publications. Uh, would be Look Magazine, one of the, one of the major ones. Uh, a full-page, full-color ad of a medical doctor with a stethoscope and a lab coat promoting his favorite brand of cigarettes. Uh, you know, <laughs> right, right. And, and that, that's what was done back in the 50s and 60s. Yep. Uh, uh, but they, they still use these techniques, and they're very effective. And when it came to COVID, look what did they do? They had these press conferences with the President of the United States saying, now, now I, I don't believe the Donald, I don't think number 45 really understood what was going on when he was standing there in these press conferences. He, he, he was, I don't think he did. And Fauci was there and all these high level people with these, these huge credentials behind their names, uh, telling us that this was real. And it certainly did look real at the time because we knew nothing better than that. It turned out to be a complete fraud. The disease itself, the, uh, medications that they were offering and the protocols they were offering were all wrong and killed people. The remdesivir has killed people and is still killing people. On the 25th day of April, 2022, we have people in hospitals all over the United States right now, as you and I are speaking, that are being murdered with remdesivir. It's something like 75 or 80% of the people that get it die. That's right. That's it's, absolutely- it's 80, 80% is the... Eight- the mortality rate once you hit the vent plus remdesivir is eighty percent. Precisely. Now that's criminal. Yeah. That's criminal. That's criminal. That's murder on the face of it. That's murder on the face of it, and it's allowed to. It's it's the only protocol allowed in U.S. hospitals. If they're if they're if they're you know part of the hospital system, which they all are, of course. Um, 
so we do our best to inform people, educate them. Uh, we reach a percentage, and the rest, well, they, they believe that Dr. Fauci is on the right hand of God, don't they? St. <laughs> Fauci. You know, again, um, the question comes down to, here we are. And as you stated, April 25th, 2022, what are we going to do about this? What can we do about this? Because clearly, okay, if we rely upon merely, well, the next election, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get them the next we're into election. The, Americans are getting the fourth booster now. Yeah. Not many people are going to make or survive the fourth, fourth booster, from my observation. Well, a lot didn't make it past the third one. Right. Uh, these are these are designed and engineered to kill and disable people. Unfortunately, we reach the ones we can. The rest we wish them well and pray for their souls. But uh, uh, we're, we are we are the remnant. You are Doug. I am. Most of our listeners. We are the remnant because we didn't get the clot shot, and uh, we're going to be surviving this. The ones that took it are going to be dead, and um, it's going to be a whole different world. It bears repeating what I've what I've been saying since shortly after the first of the year. More human beings will die this calendar year than any year in human history. I, I stand behind that as a true statement. Every Friday now, Doug, I read the obituaries in the local paper. I read the name and the age of the deceased persons. Yeah. And way too many of them are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. Men and women who should be enjoying life, not laying on a table dead someplace you know, on a slab in a morgue. Uh, but that, but I'm doing this to make a point that it's right here in our face, these people dying that shouldn't be dying. It's becoming more and more clear and more and more obvious to people all over the, all over the United States that there's a dramatic increase in deaths. Now we also are having more evidence that life insurance companies will be denying life insurance payouts to people who took any experimental drug or procedure, COVID-19 or otherwise, it's already in the policy. If you accept or take part in any experimental drug, any experimental medical procedure, that invalidates your life insurance policy. And these, these companies will have no choice because if they want to continue as a company and not go bankrupt, they'll have to enforce their own policies, Doug. And they should. Uh, you know, the judge in France said that the deceased could have known that the COVID-19 vaccines were deadly, and that was his choice to not find that out and, and respect it, that he made the choice to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Now he's dead, and payment was denied to the family. Uh, so I think we're going to see, we'll be, we will be seeing that in this country, Doug, because these insurance companies, uh, they have to take... They have to maintain their business model and look out for their stockholders. And if it's in the policy, it's in the policy. If it's not, it's not. And well, it's, right, right. Yes. And I think that because the, well, the, um, the you, financial you sue the, disaster. Go you ahead. You sue the insurance company, but you're not going to win. No, no. And, what, what will dictate what will dictate in the courtroom is what the, the, what the insurance policies say. What did it say? The, the, it's actually a contract between you and the insurance carrier. That's Precisely. Right. And exactly. So what we're talking about here is this innate immune suppression by this mRNA shot and, and the role that it plays in various other diseases. And, and this, folks, this is what we're talking about, the health impact that, that this um, 
that this has to the recipients of the mRNA shot, which cancers right now are increasing like wildfire. Dr. Ryan Cole cites right now a 7,500% increase in cancer, which is not a common side effect associated with vaccine injuries. But the it's, it's really an unreported factor um, in this in this whole mess. So, exactly. So you've got, um, in addition to the immediate death causes, you've got, um, uh, well, actually, when you look at the VAERS data, when you when you go back to a week, let's see, if you go back to April 8th, there are 344 cases where the shot, um, let's see here, the, the VAERS data shows, how can I explain this to the radio audience? Um, breast cancer, 344 cases, an increase. Uh, let me see here. A, a significant increase as a consequence to, or at least related to, the timing of the mRNA shot. Um, breast cancer, using 30 years of data, the percentage is a lot higher after receiving these because of the immune suppression aspect of things. So, yes, you're exactly right. And then, of course, the clots and the heart issues, the more immediate uh, responses, absolutely. But so, but but can this still be hidden, John? I mean... As long as they can. As long as they can, they will hide it. And um, that's why that's why we do what we do, Doug. Here in the alternative media, we're giving, we're putting information out, uh, hoping that we can expand our audience, expand the number of people who find out the truth, find out reality, so we can save lives. You know, talk radio up until uh, two years ago was was more a matter of information and entertainment, but with the uh, what's going on with the COVID vaccine, it's literally a matter of life and death to get this information out to our audience. It's not. It's not just entertainment anymore. It's not just interesting political talk. It's literally a matter of life and death for human, for American, American, American adults to not get the clout shot and not have their children get it either. Yeah, that's how serious it is, Doug. It's a matter of life and death. Okay, well, then, and I get that. It is a matter of life and death. Folks, it really is. Okay, but now the larger issues at play, was this... A, a um, oh, I don't know, a test run, a, a beta test for something much bigger that we have yet Possibly. to see? Okay. Possibly. And of course, uh, our enemies, uh, the World Economic Forum, the, the, the communists, they have a plan A, they have a plan B, they have a, clan, a plan C. They wargamed all this out. Chances are they knew that what's happening right now with people not getting a cloud shot would be a percentage of the population. They have their focus groups, which include uh, healthcare professionals, attorneys, scientists, uh, people from different areas of expertise. So they wargame these things, and they, they know what's going to happen in advance. Right. So there's a plan B. Of course there is. Another virus, another illness, another poison. Of course there is. Uh, you can count on it. And we don't necessarily know what that is, but with the 7,000% uh, plus increase in, in cancers, uh, that's something that they planned also, I believe. What do you think, Doug? Well, you know, that makes me think, too, of the Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act. What was its goal? A single-payer system. Can you imagine the stress 
that will be exerted on the healthcare system here in America with the increase in diseases and especially cancer and other things, including the heart issues and the um, uh, thrombosis, throm- is, that, is that the proper word? The, the clotting issues, the heart issues and such, the strain it's going to put on the healthcare system. So I think the Obamacare model of socialized medicine, 25% of our economy. I think that Obama tried to socialize, of course, the healthcare system in America. It failed. And I think one of the, uh, it's it's not a bug, it's a feature of this uh, coronavirus SARS-CoV-2 response is to socialize our healthcare system, if not outright destroy it and rebuild it as a socialist model. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Well, I agree. I agree, Doug. Um well, all politics is local, uh, and we need to keep that in mind. We're seeing more more men and women than ever sign up to run for the school board, to sign up for the the board of aldermen in their cities, to sign up to be a, uh, you know, Republican committeemen and committee women in their local counties and jurisdictions. Uh, run for office. Uh, the the, uh, the silent majority has been uh, disturbed and has been wakened up as to what's going on. We were asleep at the wheel for decades, letting the communists take control of all these groups. And it's time for us to take it back. Yep. And I, I don't know if we can, but I know we should be making the effort. Uh, we can't, we can't assume that they've won. We have to make the effort. Don't we, Doug? You know, we, we, we do. And I hope people listening understand that, that we're looking for, uh, John, I don't want to speak for you, but myself, I'm looking for ways to do this without bloodshed. I would love to be able to fix everything through the system that our founders gave us, okay? Right. But, man, right. I am seeing doors and windows close quicker than anything because I, I don't know if it can be fixed that way because we, we lost our justice system. There is no justice system. There's a legal system. At the system. federal level, no. At the federal level, no. Just these Many states' attorney generals are doing the right thing for the right reasons. Many, many governors are doing the right thing. You know, the, the state government's created a federal government. You know, how can your creation be more powerful than the, the, the entity that created it? But, but it well, is, right? But it, well, it, it appears to be. In practice. And, and that can be a complete illusion. It could be. Every sheriff of the, or most sheriffs of the 3,300 plus county of the United States, the majority of them, still have more authority than the FBI or the uh, Department of Justice or the um, Alcohol, Tobacco, and Farms. I, I can tell any of these federal cops to get the hell out of my jurisdiction because I'm the sheriff. They That's could. Still, but, but, John, you most know. Don't. Most don't, yeah. but they can. They, they and can. Many, right. And many, many, many are learning uh, that they have that power, or already did know it. And I think they will exercise it when the time comes. And there will, I don't know what the split's going to be, whether it's going to be 50 50 or, or whatever. But uh, many sheriffs, when the time comes, they will exercise that jurisdiction and exclude federal law enforcement from their counties. Well, uh, like the sheriff in Florida, which uh, maybe as a deputy sheriff, I, I don't know, uh, saying, hey, you know what? Um, they were talking about intruders. And uh, shoot the intruders. It, it, it saves it saves the taxpayer money. I mean, it, it was kind of the way you and I would speak in a law and order sense. And in most Americans who you know have a degree of uh, intellectual honesty speak. But the message was, you know, you, you do the you do the crime. You you know, or 
you know, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. You know, that that's right now. Some sheriffs are coming out and um, making that their position. But I see too many, whether it's a sheriff or whether it's a governor or whether it's some other level politician, like Greg Abbott shipping uh, um, uh, illegals into D.C., Really? Why not just turn the? Why not stop them at the border? I mean, instead of instead of well, he, well, these are ones that were caught after they got across the border. I, I don't know what he did to attempt to catch them, but here's a a, a newsflash: um, John Durham is issuing subpoenas for trials coming up, uh, right. issuing subpoenas to members of the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign and the Democratic National Committee. Now. He, I would think that when well, within those two entities, the the Clinton campaign people and the Democratic National Committee, that these people are all getting lawyered up right now, and some of them may be looking at relocating to a country with no extradition. What do you think? You know, I would like to think that this is going to make a difference. Um, Maria Bartiromo interviewed Radcliffe yesterday on Sunday Talks, okay, I don't know whether you saw that or not, but uh, the in the discussions surrounding Durham's investigation, um, it, it just it, this whole thing just sounded like, uh, um, yeah, there, there, there's this false hope that Durham is going to deliver accountability, but um, and, and there's a lot of hopium going around as opposed to, you know what. Let me see it, and I'll believe it when I see it. That's kind of my my thought on this. But yes, I, you know, I think that there's movement there. But for crying out loud, as we spoke about last week, uh, we had this in the we had this information for a long time. If we had it, we know that the Department of Justice had it. We know that the congressional investigators had it. We know that the special counsel, in the form of Durham, had it uh, two years ago, three years ago. I mean, books have been published. And sold out and reprinted about this, about this stuff, and, and yet we haven't seen one perp walk of any substance. We've seen a lot of hopium and talk and say, "Oh yeah, this is you know this is big," but I want to see Clinton behind bars or and and then tried and convicted, depending on the trial, and then properly uh, dis, uh, disposed of accordingly. That's well, what I want to uh, see. I believe hopium is is loosely defined as hope with little basis in reality. Right. A U.S. Marshal delivering a subpoena to the Democratic National Committee is not a, a fantasy. That's real. Yes. Uh, I mean, these, I, the U.S. Marshals I've known, they tend to be pretty big, tough guys, and they walk in the door with a federal subpoena. That gets your attention. But how many, uh, how many subpoenas have been defined, you know, by people in power? Holder defied subpoenas and still hasn't been accountable for uh, the gun running operations that he did under Obama. So that's true. this is what I'm talking about. Look, I, I mean, there's a whole lot of smoke and a whole lot, a whole number, big number of mirrors, but not a whole lot of action as far as I can see. Uh, but I do look, I, I'm not trying to be a. No, I believe the attorney general uh, ignored subpoenas from Congress to give testimony before a a subcommittee, didn't he? It was uh, it was a um, uh, judiciary committee. Yeah, I believe so. Yes. Okay. Now that's 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 different circumstances as opposed to grand jury or criminal justice system. Yeah, that subpoena would have been delivered by. 
probably a congressional staffer. I don't believe it would be served by a U.S. marshal. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure a U.S. marshal would not deliver that subpoena uh, to the U.S. attorney, uh, the attorney general. Um, so it's different circumstances. A, when a U.S. A US marshal serving a, a, a subpoena for a, a federal trial is a, is a different animal altogether. And um, so I don't believe in, in my in my thinking in my way of thinking it would be opium. I believe it's as real as real can be. I believe the people getting the subpoenas are getting lawyered up, that they're looking at uh, trying to preserve their assets from uh, whatever might be coming later because they could, they, could, they could have some stiff fines. And when I talk about immigrating to a country with, with no uh, extradition, that, that is not a fantasy either because uh, that's something that, depending on the crimes that they committed or were complicit in, that could be a very real option for some of these people if they got the, the financial wherewithal to pull it off. Well, okay. Okay. And I, I, I get that. But how about this? Have you considered, and folks, have you considered, has anyone considered that this could very well be an internal war? The, the, the actions of Durham right now it would be some sort of internal war going on within the factions of the larger deep state. For example, uh, the Obama wing. You know, Obama, not a fan of Hillary, right? The Obama wing, they're okay. That the, that Obama department is okay with Durham going after the Clinton people and even Hillary to, comp, to really to protect the larger criminal infrastructure of the Obama regime that was put in place within the CIA, within the DOJ, and other three-letter agencies, including the FBI. Okay, so could this be this um, this internal fight between the between the factions within the deep state? Just curious, your thoughts on that? Well, uh, I can't discount that. On one hand, on the other, I've seen no evidence of it, and I, I I like to live in a world of evidence. The evidence I've seen is that John Durham has a a more than twenty-year reputation of being an absolute ethical bulldog when it comes to getting assigned a case like this is most likely going to be the last thing he ever does as an attorney. I, I expect he'll either be uh, writing books or get a professorship at some law school at, at the end of this. this would, the toll this would take on any human being um, would be incredible. The pressure, because the weight of the future of the Republic is on this man's shoulders, literally, I believe. And that, that's a Incredible burden to be carrying. Incredible. Yeah, yeah, and as long as as long as it's not just a, um, I, I don't know. Again, the the uh, distraction or smoke and mirrors. As long as it results in some level of justice being meted out, because right right now we can we can take this even to a a smaller scale. All right, uh, how we're seeing, for example, in the Soros um, appointed or the Soros-backed DAs in different uh, jurisdictions, how they're letting people walk or, or letting people out on, on no bail uh, restrictions for serious felonies. Uh, you know, That's at the city and state level. Right, uh, right. Part. And your, your cynicism is, is recognized and, and certainly justified to be cynical about what's going on. Uh, and I look at them as separate issues. I look at uh, John Durham's investigation as being separate from these other items. And um, I, I look, if you want to know what a man is doing in the future, look what he did in the past. And that's what I'd look at with John Durham. 
uh, he's known to be unflappable, a man that can't be threatened. And um, so I have hope. And is it opium? Well, possibly. Well, you know, I have hope. I, you know, I have hope he'll carry out his duties. And, and I, I, look, I'm not making fun or making light of of what's taking place with the Durham uh, with the Durham investigation at all, because we need justice to be delivered. But um, it's, a, it's certainly an interesting case study. That's for sure. It's, um, uh, you, you know, in, in the interest of fairness for those who retain hope that John Durham is going to deliver accountability, DNI, uh, DNI, uh, former director of the DNI, John Ratcliffe, certainly said so, certainly was like you in yesterday's uh, uh, program, what the heck was it, uh, Sunday Talks with Marie Bartiromo. So, you know, who knows? We should watch this very closely to see what does happen with this. And a lot of people close to Hillary are, are man, they're, they're in some pretty hot soup here. But Well, they are, and they should be. Yeah. Uh, they've probably committed multiple federal felonies, multiple, multiple federal felonies. And, and of course, they should be concerned that uh, everything they work for their entire adult life is at risk of being lost, and they're at risk of going to jail. And... Uh, having their reputation, uh, you know, destroyed. Yeah. So, of course, they should be concerned. Uh, they thought that what they were doing would be protected and remain unlo- unknown to the general public. Well, that's about to end. It's about to end. And if uh, John Durham is part of a, a wing of a grander conspiracy, if he, if he carries out his mission, I'm okay with that. If he carries out his mission... And the uh, the fraud of the election of 2020 is finally fully exposed and documented. Uh, I'm okay with that, and as long as that, that fraud is exposed, and we and the entire world knows who was really elected president the first week of November 2020, and that was John. That was uh, President Donald Trump. Right. Yep. Well, you know what you said earlier. We've got about. By the way, we've got about five minutes left of the show. It's amazing how quickly things go, but. We've got to take back our local politics. I, I think that's exactly the, the nonviolent method right now of, of fixing things is take our take back well, our local politics. We are. And at my urging, I, I personally know men and women who've run for uh, for Republican committeemen, uh, men and women who uh, have decided to run for school board, and, uh, and and so forth, and they're making a difference. Right. We need we need conservative. Christian Americans to run for these different offices that that they don't that the salary if it's any at all is is minimal it's it's more of a duty than it's something to make money at because you can't make any money in, in most of these positions of any consequence but it's the right thing to do for the right reasons that's why I became a Republican committeeman here in, in my county because it's the right thing to do and I want to encourage all our listeners to do the right thing also to to become a Republican commitment, to run for school board, to run for the city alderman or, or alderwoman, whatever it might be. And uh, all the power from these, these political parties, Republican and Democrat both, they all come from the county level. Without the county level, they'd be nothing. They'd be empty. They'd, be, they'd have no power. So that's where the power comes from, is these local areas uh, and all the, the people that are active at the local areas, Doug. So Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. Right. So uh, people need to do that. They yeah. really need to do that. 
What's uh, what do you have planned for the rest of the week, John, on the Liberty Man on, the, on your radio show? By the way, folks, thelibertyman.com, that's John's website. Make sure you go there. He does offer consultations, and uh, I guess I'm going to have to put I'm doing, put yeah, I'm doing about mind. two a week these days, uh, okay. private consultations. Well, I have Tuesday morning roundtable tomorrow morning with uh, my friend Steve Benoon, former CIA field agent, Leon Green, former U.S. Navy officer, and Jeff Nyquist, who's written six books that are available at Amazon on the International Commerce Conspiracy. Uh, Wednesday, we have my friend Professor McCanny on, who uh, is an uh, advanced archaeologist uh, and a scientist, a former professor at Cornell, teaching uh, two areas. That would be uh, astrophysics and mathematics. Thursdays, we have Dr. Lynn Horowitz. Uh, I like to refer to him as a man with his brain on fire. <laughs> and Friday... Friday, we alternate between different, two different doctors to talk about health-related matters. And also on Thursday, we have Chris from the Satellite Phone Store, and he we've been interviewing his cousin, who has uh, just got back from Ukraine doing medical uh, emergency work, and is going back to Ukraine to help with medical emergencies also as a healthcare professional. Wow. So, yeah, those have been some good interviews. And uh, once again, boots on the ground to let us know what's really going on in Ukraine in this case. Your thoughts in, in, in about a minute, your thoughts are about 40 seconds. Your thoughts on Ukraine right now? Uh, there's no good guys. There's a lot of innocent victims. There's yep. no good guys. The uh, Ukraine government is basically the mafia. The Russia is taking care of Mother Russia. They don't give a damn about anything else. There's no good guys. And when the United States has no business sticking their nose in there as a country, as a government. In, in the story, I love that. There are no good guys over there. Uh, Zelensky is not uh, is not the savior, and uh, Putin is not not Satan. Uh, but they're not. Uh, I, I mean, it is what it is. John, thank you very much. Thank you. God Doug. bless you, my Look friend. Forward to next Monday. Have All right, a my great brother. week, sir. All you right. too. All right, folks, that'll do it. Have a great night. God bless each and every one of you. Thanks for your patience and holding out with us. Ooh.